Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. The first half of the year is essentially over. Um, as we look at the calendar now, it's June. You should, in theory, have put in – great golly, Miss Molly. You should, in theory, have put in half your 401K. Maybe you should be updating your financial plan. Or are you going to stop for a little bit of a breather and say, this has been kind of the crazy COVID year? And let's take a look at the report card. If you've owned big tech companies, you've done great. The NASDAQ's up 12.4% so far for the year. That's unbelievable considering where we were in March 20th. Things did not look that good in my opinion. Things looked pretty bad. We were going from a quick, very slow correction after 10 years to a very fast correction, boy, that happened fast, um, to an even faster bear market, to whoops, that bear market didn't last very long. <laughs> this has been a crazy year, and we're only halfway through with it. You could say, what do we have to look forward to, Rob? Well, we got the politics of the rest of the year to look forward to, the debates, the hanging chads. Do you remember the hanging chad in the election? Um, do you, and I'm not talking about CFP Chad Burton, where he came to power because he was suddenly marketable as a hanging Chad. No, I'm not talking about that in any way, shape or form. Um, but we got the, the second half of the year is going to be pretty interesting in my opinion. So we have a, does the economy really ignite? Do we get back to COVID-19 levels? I don't see pre COVID-19 levels. I don't see how that's possible. There's just enough data out there telling me that uh, uh, we could do fine and the cost of money could be super cheap, no doubt. But this is going to be ultimately a problem. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we could talk about. Money, investing, and more. Um, you can find me again online at 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Some of the stories that we're starting to get back to are kind of nice in my opinion. Um, we're starting to get back to stories along the lines of companies acquiring one another, companies with cash, mergers and deals, acquisitions. Those are kind of areas where I want to be, if that makes any sense. Stories, not necessarily like does the economy have jobs? Tomorrow we're going to first Friday of every month. We get the jobs report, the employment report. That's going to show us how we're doing. And it's going to look great on a month-to-month level. It's going to look awful on a year-to-year level. How do you want to look at your data, right? I think that's a fair question. 
800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. Pfizer and a uh, company, uh, a biotech company are moving higher today on the thought that maybe, just maybe we have a um, vaccine. Another one, again, we've already had two or three of these come out where we're like, we're seeing development of antibodies. And then a day or two later, we're like, well, whatever happened to that Pfizer and BioNTech showing promise COVID-19 vaccine thing? I don't know who's going to get the vaccine. I think we're still late winter away from saying, okay, we've got a million doses. Who wants them? I don't know. Caterpillar's up. They got upgraded by Deutsche Bank. What I like about Caterpillar is they make big metal machines, big metal machines that move dirt around. And we use Caterpillar's big cats when we want to farm and when we want to build buildings. So to get an upgrade to buy from hold shows me some economic activity out there potentially. United Airlines said they tripled its scheduled size for August compared to June, but that it's only 40% of its schedule that it flew from the year ago period. Those kind of numbers are damning. Because like, see the good news? We're flying. See the bad news? It's a bad trend year over year. FedEx is in much better shape than expected. They had earnings last night, and we didn't know. How hard were they going to be at COVID? How far, how hard would like corporations used to FedEx documents overnight and pay an arm and a leg? Did they, were they still doing that? We got an ADP employment change report this morning, weaker than expected, showing only 2.3 million jobs added. Generally speaking, that would be a great time, except for when you go after a period of massive cuts. We got 2.3 million jobs added in private payroll. ADP is one of those guys where you start a job and you're like, hey, look who wrote my paycheck. It's a check from, oh, ADP. So they're a paycheck processing, so they have a good tapping the vein on this one. Expectations were 3.7 million jobs added. We got 2.3 million. Again, that shows that the prior month, massive upward revision, but um, still not a good number. Markets had 3 to 4% gains for the major indices in the just two trading sessions. The market is a little short-term overbought. We ended the quarter strong. We start a new quarter now. The Dow's down roughly 10% for the year. The S&P 500 down roughly 4%, and the NASDAQ up 12%. That's a little That's a little bit spread apart, and it's telling you it's very, very concentrated with tech companies that have done the best this year. Companies like Facebook, oh, you're going to get boycotted by 10 of the top uh, sponsors in the world, the, the premium sponsors like a Coca-Cola. I mean, your stock's going to be at a 52-week all, all-time high. Yep. That's the way it sometimes works, right? President Trump caused a little diplomatic trade angst with a tweet in which he said he's getting more and more angry with China as he's watching the COVID pandemic spread across the world. Um, It'll be interesting. And again, I'm not making political commentary of a professional here. I'm making political commentary of a hack. He could be impeached, um, not have it stick. And COVID-19, where he made a massive marketing flaw saying we have it under control. It was like when President George W. Bush said the war is won in Iraq and it wasn't quite over yet. Um, 
Trump, those words are going to hurt. They feel like they could hurt him. But then again, who knows? We're five months away from the election, right? But he's going pretty angry at COVID right now and China because I think the way he was initially lining up on it, that it's a bad flu, probably was a little misguided, which for the record, bad flus do kill a lot of seniors. And that's why we do flu shots every year. This is not that kind of flu. This is a different one. FedEx, um, I like that earnings report. It was good. It wasn't great. But that's the stuff that I'm looking for at this point in time, if that makes any sense to you. Hiring likely surged in June before reopening reversals. Uh, the jobs report's going to be a big one. Layoffs have remained elevated, and the steady decline has stalled in the latest week. So we're going to see a lot of what are called concentrated gains, and it's going to be very important that you, know, you look at things like weaker wages, how many hours worked. We tend to hire people when we go from 30 hours a week, average work week, to 32, to 33. Uh-oh, got to hire them full-time. Better hire another part-time person so they don't hit 33 hours and get their full-time benefits. Um, once you get to 35 hours and you get to overtime kind of scenarios, overtime kind of scenarios equals more hiring so we can avoid overtime. Inside the jobs report with Rob Black coming tomorrow. We'll talk all things financial. Find me online at newfocusfinancial.com. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. I just heard a webinar promotion. Uh, CFP, Chad Burton, and myself have doing seminars and webinars for 20 plus years. It'll be kind of nice to get back to talking to you in kind of an open mic kind of forum where this morning show is really dedicated to breaking financial news, some financial planning tips, and some you know life lessons and mistakes that we've all made. Um, a weekend show is going to be, which I think is going to happen. I'm working on setting up some deals to get some distribution. A weekend show would be much more reflective and, and strip out the weekly stuff. Maybe it'd be more quarterly oriented, maybe more annually oriented, but definitely not daily. There's nothing wrong with being daily oriented, except for it's teaching you a bad lesson to get you caught up in maybe, you know, earnings of Caterpillar are awesome. I want you to be caught up with, but that's a quarterly reflection. Whereas if you start watching too closely on a daily basis, you can go a little crazy. Transports are doing great today. I love the transports. If I leave you this one lesson a day, the Dow transport average is up 2.4%. Um, it is an indicator. You know, I, I tell you the jobs report on the first Friday of the month is something that's important to me. I like looking at the Dow Jones transport stocks. There's a, uh, an index of just the stocks like Avis Budget, Kansas City Southern, UPS, American Airlines, United Airlines, FedEx. And since Wall Street is considered a discount mechanism, it looks six months in the future. And it's saying these companies are up 3% for the day when the market's not. These companies are extending yearly gains. So the transports show me kind of one economic indicator. The jobs report is another economic indicator. 
Um, you should start developing a couple of these. And again, you don't have to go with a day to day. You can take a look at FedEx and uh, United and American Airlines and UPS and, and say, what what's their stock showing us? And again, you're going to develop this over a lifetime. It's not going to be in your 20s. There's not going to be a cheat sheet. Speaking of cheat sheets, let's bring in CFP Chad Burton, newfocusfinancial.com. How are you, Mr. Burton? I am doing well. Looking forward to uh, earnings reports and to see if companies really have much clarity in terms of the next quarter because what a wild ride we've had so far this year. Yeah. And um, again, if you look at it on a you know, at month to month level, you're seeing some things to get crazy excited about. If you look at it on a year over year level, you're seeing some things to go, okay, that's not great, but let's look at next year. And you're starting to see some projections on going into 2021, 2022, 2025. Um, how do you, how are you feeling about where we are economically, not healthcare, not COVID, not shutdown? How do you feel about the strength of the numbers we're seeing in light of everything with um, the disease and with uh, a ton of stimulus out there? Well, with the kind of, you know, going backwards in a lot of places, whether it's Arizona, Texas, you know, Arizona going back to closing bars and things like that. Um, starting here of some real layoffs, I'm hearing from a lot of people in, especially in Oregon. I don't know if it's worse there anywhere else, just still not even able to get their unemployment checks, Rob. Mm-hmm. I learned a whole story that was broken in, uh, in that area of just the failures. Some people are starting to really struggle. Um, so it's this, you can see the, the bifurcation, I guess you could say in the overall market, when you look at the stocks that's, that are driving the performance of the S and P 500, it's really about 12 stocks. It's not 500 stocks that are even for the year. And if you run a chart, you can clearly see this. I, I was just using three different ETFs to take a look at where we are at for the year. It's IVV, which is the S&P 500, VUG, which is Vanguard Growth ETF, and then uh, MGV, which is Vanguard's value ETF. And the value ETF is going to hold some more banks and energy stocks and some Berkshire Hathaway. You know, not as much tech, and it's really tech driving it. So while the S&P 500 sitting as we talk right now on July 1st down, you know, 3.42% for the year. So it was down 20% the first quarter, up 20% the second quarter, right? Um, growth for the year, the VUG is up 11.43% with an average weighted PE ratio of 30. Um, and then the value ETF, which is, you know, you, the, there's a system of going through the S&P 500 and allocating more towards those that have a lower price to book and price to sales and lower PE ratios is down 15.35% for the year, Rob. So you can see it's those growth oriented tech stocks that have been driving the market. Now the PE ratios are pushed pretty high. Um, and the reason why is it makes sense because as we all learn how to work from home and we use Microsoft and more technology, we need Cisco, you know, you need your internet, um, you know, more devices, I guess you could say to be able to productively work from home. There's a big shift. And meanwhile, real estate or REITs are down anywhere from 14 to 20% for the year still, depending on which REIT index you look at. So, there's there's a shift in, in portfolios and thinking in terms of, you know, what do you want to invest in for the future? Right now, banks look really cheap, but they're not going to be able to raise their dividends anytime soon per federal regulations. So I think we're going to have to pay a little bit more attention to portfolios in the next couple of quarters until we either have a vaccine 
um, or some sort of herd immunity, I guess. It's, it's uh, definitely a time to pay more attention to rebalancing. And there will be a time where people will want to pull some of the gains off the table in the stocks that have led the market because they're starting to get expensive. We're in a really tough economic situation, and the P-E ratio, the S&P 500, the four P-E is at about 21, 22 right now. And that's not cheap. Historically, but, right. Historically, it's not cheap. But compared to interest rates, it's, okay, uh, I get it. The 10-year Treasury is well less than 1%. And I can get a 2% yield on my stocks. So what's going to be worth more in 10 years? Probably the stocks, right? So that's what people are thinking. So it makes a little bit of sense. But, um, you know, some people may be uh, either you know, too much value or lacking value in portfolios right now. It's, it's, uh, it's just an interesting thing to look at how different growth versus value is. Coming up, let's talk about the webinar in future episodes, but we've got about a minute. Yesterday, I basically gave the white flag on financials, something you're talking about this segment where they have a lot of value, but they're not performing. And I've always liked banks, but I haven't really liked banks with low interest rates. I gave the white flag. I'm like, I, I don't want to own them. I hate them. Is that the time to buy? <laughs> Is it, did Rob just give the perfect signal to go all in or <laughs> probably are you really not really is. saying yeah. that? It probably I've always really, said things like I mean, first of all, a lot of banks are more diversified than you think with wealth management. There's going to be a lot of M&A activity. So it's not just the lending. If, it's, if you're just a pure lender, you might have some concern. But um, more diversified institutions are still going to pay some dividends. They might not be able to raise them this year, but they probably will going forward once those regulations change. Sounds good. People could find you, CFP, Chad Burton at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Again, I can do a Mia Culp and say, I didn't tell people to buy financial stocks, but I've always included them in the argument. Um, and sometimes you're just wrong. And sometimes it's just not going to work and you have to update your thesis. That's CFP, Chad Burton talking about how the year's played out so far with valuations on the S&P 500 and some individual sectors saying, hey, this isn't adding up. It doesn't mean that it will add up anytime soon, but it means you have to have an intelligent conversation and debates with yourself about what's truly happening out there. So you are ready for it either before it happens or while it's happening. You can find us at newfocusfinancial.com. Big webinar. You can hear it during the commercials as well. I'm Rob Black. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. Welcome back in. Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black. Haven't taken much time off this year. I was in a bad trend of every year taking a little bit more time off, and this year COVID hit, so I was like, I think I got to do more stock market stuff and talking to experts like Patrick O'Hare from briefing.com. I followed Patrick's career for over 20 years. I don't know how long you've been doing it, but I've been there at least 20 of it, it feels like. Um, I'm guessing a little bit longer. How are you doing, Mr. O'Hare, and how's the market doing, more importantly? Well, good morning, Rob, and, and thank you, obviously, for uh, following us all that time. It's, uh, you know, 23-plus years now for me at briefing.com, and I'm, I'm more than happy to say that and um, just love what I do. And, um, you know, I get to look at the market every day and try to figure out, you know, exactly what's moving it. And, um, you know, and today, you know, you've got a market that's um, hanging in pretty good yet again, um, underpinned, it seems, by some positive-sounding news uh, with respect to uh, uh, progress Pfizer uh, is making on a, a COVID vaccine candidate. 
Um, you know, haven't seen the market go ballistic on that, but it certainly uh, engendered a nice turn in the futures market this morning when that news hit, along with the um, uh, ADP employment change report, which showed yet another positive gain in, um, in private sector payrolls, which uh, creates a nice setup uh, for the market, in the market's mind anyway, going into tomorrow's employment report. A lot of good stuff there. Um, we did just turn the calendar. I saw the NASDAQ up 12% for the year, the S&P 500 up roughly four, the Dow Jones Industrial, no, I'm sorry, uh, S&P 500 down four, and the uh, Dow Jones Industrial Average down about 10. Um, that's not a bad report card considering March. Um, but if you take March out, it's, 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 it's kind of, it messes with the data, but still not that bad for the first half of 2020. And it's a crazy 2020. What are your thoughts about the first half and how the markets responded to all of the news and all of the earnings issues? Sure. Well, you know, I think even if you, if, if you take COVID out altogether, I think if you were coming into the year and you, you said, Hey, would, you know, would you take that in the middle of the year? I think mean, most people would probably be okay with it. I mean, the market had, you know, been doing quite well, but, you know, was starting to decelerate somewhat and, um, you know, being down three and a half percent year to date on the S&P 500 in, in any year, um, you know, ideally you like to see a positive number, but I mean, that's not terrible when you're coming off of relatively good performance, but, you know, it, it, it's truly remarkable though, knowing that what we know about COVID now and, and the impact it's had, the economic impact, the social impact, the psychological impact and so on, uh, to to be only down three and a half percent on the S P five hundred is, is is just amazing and and we think it really you know just reflects the uh, a read through on the market's mind to better days ahead right um, it's you know certainly been um, confidence has been uplifted greatly in the stock market anyway with uh, you know the Federal Reserve's policy efforts with the fiscal stimulus uh, packages that have been enacted that have kind of helped. Uh, keep things from falling off a cliff here, um, and, uh, and and so you have a market that's sort of, you know, relying on that stimulus and looking at it as a bridge to a better period in 2021 and beyond, when it also foresees uh, ideally, you know, a COVID vaccine in effect and the U.S. economy getting back to a you know quote unquote normal phase. Um, so that's the idealistic version right now, and the market is is doing okay with that. But of course, there's some issues out there, um, you know, on the horizon that could upend that. You know, um, I don't think the market is giving much attention yet uh, to you know election implications and the possibility that you know if uh, Mr. Biden wins that election that. You know, perhaps you end up seeing higher taxes um, that, uh, including capital gains taxes, which generally aren't good, uh, you know, features for a stock market, at least in the initial stages of those uh, implementations. And so, um, you know, so that's one, you know, just one element. But, you know, the other element, too, is what we talked about before, Rob, is just this idea that, um, you know, the, the stock market seems to be ahead of itself in our estimation anyway, in terms of what it expects from real economic activity in 2021. And we don't think that, you know, the labor market's going to be fully healed. Uh, it's still going to have some relatively high unemployment levels. And that will uh, that will bleed through really to consumption activity that, you know, has some real bearing on, on GDP growth. So, you know, we're in a good period right now, but, 
you know, but I think that uh, things start to kind of um, uh, settle down, if you will, in terms of uh, the stock market's uh, uh, rambunctiously positive behavior. I almost don't know where to go from at this point in time as far as the next question for you. Um, anything that you're seeing in the markets that you want to talk about? Well, I think, you know, along the lines of feeding off of what we just said and how the market kind of can, you know, sure. look through bad news, right, is obviously you know, what we're hearing right now about coronavirus, you know, it's not very good, you know, notwithstanding the, the Pfizer news we heard out this morning. But, you know, with rising case counts, rising positivity rates, uh, you know, states rolling back or pausing reopening activities. And yet here we are. You know, the S&P 500 is up almost 4% just this week alone. And so um, I think what that suggests, though, is that you know, the market might be reorienting, reorienting to the idea that, okay, now that states seem to be taking a more prudent line on their reopening activity and, start to, and are starting to place a newfound emphasis on wearing masks and encouraging social distancing, that that will effectively help it once again to flatten the curve. And then on the other side of that, you can have a more responsible reopening effort uh, that can lead to a, a you know, more sustained pickup in the pace of uh, economic activity. That's not to say you're going to get like gangbusters growth, but hopefully it can help avert, you know, these periods of um, knee jerk reaction, volatility and and uh, local shutdown measures to try to try to contain things. And so I think the market is still hopeful that, you know, now that a lot of governors have you know seen the light, if you will, and are going to help uh, in a more prudent manner. Uh, get the virus contained and and get their economies reopened on a more sustained basis. Sounds good. Is there um, any concerns about the back half of the year other than politics? Is it um, some sectors will do better than others? Because like some of the airlines, some of the stuff that briefings publishing on airlines right now is that things are getting better, but still awful on last year's numbers. Is there anything that we should be looking for per se? Yeah, well, I, I, I hate to say it, but I think politics will factor in in, in a number of dimensions, right? Um, you know, on the trade front, you know, uh, certainly domestic politics here. Um, y- you know, there's some wranglings going on between the EU and the U.S., obviously between the U.S. and China. Um, so so that's going to be kind of just overhanging the market through the second half of the year. And certainly as we move through the summer, that just means we get closer to the election. And um, and then the debate, the debates are going to hit center stage and, and you're going to see polls shift, you know, either you know, up and down and fortunes improve or, or not for some candidates. And and uh, that's going to be a focal point for the market, you know, as we get to the other side of the of the summer months. But, um, you know, and, and clearly you still have the potential out there for, you know, for a vaccine. Right. Um, you know, maybe we get one before the end of the year. And obviously the market would respond favorably initially to that. But then you have to factor in, you know, what the uptake rate will be in terms of people willing to go out and get that vaccine and how it's ultimately going to you know, again, affect economic activity and what that could mean for earnings growth um, as we move forward. Sounds good. Is there anything that you're working on your end of the week column that we should be aware of? It's a big picture. It's a kind of a it's a three minute read versus a one minute read. It's it's a, it's a nice read if you know what I'm saying. It's always in- right. Yeah, well, thank you. Um, you know, I think you know this week obviously empl- employment's front and center. Um, so I imagine that you know the the main 
subject matter, the big picture column on Friday will, or on Thursday, I should say, is going to, uh, you know, stem from what we see out of uh, tomorrow's employment report. Sounds good. Thanks for being us with us. It's Patrick O'Hare with Briefing.com. I start my day every day with Briefing.com and getting some good insights into the overall markets, both on a uh, domestic as well as international level. Um, good, solid information kind of trumps fear and speculation. It kind of trumps letting other people gather the data for you. I think Briefing does a really nice job of, of being as non-biased as you can be, knowing that we all have some biases in the world. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. We're taking a look at the markets, and we're going much further than that. Taking a look at sectors that are doing well and poorly. One of the things that caught me was talking to Mr. O'Hare was about the first half of the year, where if you take COVID out, I'm like, well, that's an interesting proposition right there. Um, would we be happy with these returns? Would And we were basically starting the year with a thesis kind of along the lines of nine-year bull market going to be a 10-year bull market before all is said and done. Um, how can we continue to support this? We, in the first couple of years of the Trump administration, the tax cuts aided and abetted higher valuations. I think that's a fair way of saying that. Um so as we always continually switch at the beginning of the year, Chad, CFP, Chad Burton, myself, um, we would sit there and we go, how do we move higher at these levels? And COVID kind of gave us the reason that we can move higher and that being um, move higher because of trillions of dollars of stimulus and you know ultimately a blank check for banks to write off of when it comes to borrowing money and staying cash float positive in a scenario where people are sort of running out of cash. You can find me online at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Um, I'm Rob Black talking all things financial webinar coming up here in the podcast and the commercials. I'm Rob Black. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, invested in more. You can find me at newfocusfinancial.com. I've been doing this for 20-plus years, talking markets on the radio and television, through podcasts and vlogs and blogs and much, much more. So I've seen a little of this before. COVID, we haven't seen, but we have seen things like Ebola and SARS and swine flus and pig flus. And I guess that's a swine flu, right? Bird flus. And um, we've talked about them. I think we're going to talk about them in the future. One of the things that we've never really had to talk a lot of detail on is the depth of, of a pandemic and how it hits things like self-employed workers. That hasn't happened. So this is a first for us where the self-employed is already becoming more of a trend in our nation as it's a way of shifting costs from the corporation to the individual. But you throw in the pandemic, you throw in the job cuts, you throw in the, you know, do we hire contractors or not? Lots of questions. Let's bring in CFP Chad Burton once again to talk a little bit about the self-employed and COVID. Was that well said that we've never seen anything quite like this, Chad? Oh, no, absolutely not. I mean, not I mean, we've you know, together. We've gone through the tech bubble burst. We've gone through the credit crisis. So it's definitely different. Um, big roller coaster ride. And it's it's such a crazy thing in terms of 
what businesses it's crushing and what businesses that are benefiting from all this. Um, the big one that's really unfortunate is a lot of my favorite local restaurants. I mean, I've, I've heard four or five closing yeah. of restaurants that, you know, they're never going to open again. Right. Um, uh, a lot of iconic so, landmarks. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, what's going to happen to that real estate? There's all sorts of questions that come into play, but as a result of the CARES Act, you know, people are able to put off their tax return um, until this month. And a lot of times self-employed people continue to file extensions and they don't deal with their tax returns until October. And I think that's a huge mistake right now, because one of the things that you can do to help save yourself some money in a rough time is to make sure you're paying the least amount of taxes possible and setting yourself up for success in the future. And so I got an email question. It's kind of a long one from a listener asking about um, our new handout that we have on the mega backdoor Roth IRA for people that are working for other corporations, which we have, but this guy was actually self-employed. And I can see some of the mistakes that he's going to make because self-employed people, when their income is lower, under the current tax code, it might be a huge mistake to fund a SEP IRA or the profit sharing side of an individual 401k, because if your income happens to be lower this year, Rob, and all of a sudden you're qualifying now for that new 199A 20% federal tax deduction on your net business income, every dollar that you put into that profit share or pre-tax side could be costing you 20 cents in that deduction for that 199A. So you cannot just go blindly contributing to SEPs or individual 401ks without doing some planning this year. Um, And so you're already halfway through the year. And if this is the best time for self-employed people to switch from either a SEP IRA or a boilerplate individual 401k that they might have gotten at Vanguard or Fidelity or Schwab, TD Ameritrade, wherever, to a designed individual 401k plan that gives them way more flexibility and could allow them to get you know, 40, 50 grand into a Roth account that will grow tax-free for the rest of their lives and maintain their 199A deduction. So it's kind of a, I don't know, a little bit of an announcement for those that are self-employed. And I know there's a lot that listen to you because there's a lot of contractors out there. Sure. That, you know, this is the time to do it. Before all of these CPAs and what's called a TPA, a third-party administrator that designs these plans, that you're going to want going forward, they start getting really busy in, in late October. So this is a perfect time to, to tackle this situation. Um, if you go to the Insight page of our website, newfocusfinancial.com or chadburton.com, um, and click on blogs, it's the second page in. I'm going to try to move it back up to the top here today so people can find it quicker. But it's uh, Mega Backdoor Roth Conversion for Self-Employed Business Owners 2020 Update. Um, so take a look at that because there's so many things that you can do in terms of, do you go from an LLC to an S corp? Once you do the S corp, how do you fund your retirement accounts? Should you fund? There's, there's several different contributions. There's the employee, when you're self-employed, your, your deferral, your profit sharing, um, your Roth and your after tax. There's actually several types of money that you can put into the plan and, depending on whether you qualify for that 199A business deduction, that you have, to, you have to start there first and figure out how to qualify for that and then determine which buckets that you want to put the money into inside your plan. And if you want the ultimate flexibility to save the most amount of taxes and set up the most tax-free money for the future, then you have to have an individually designed individual 401k plan if you're self-employed. 
<clears throat> it's a lot of very granular data like uh, that I I don't even know how much that applies to me. How would I know if that applies to me? I'd be doing a 1099 or what's the sign that I need help? Yeah, if you're if you're being paid in the form of a 1099 um, or, you know, you're a, a self-employed person um, that you know has an operating business and you want to do this for yourself and your spouse and you don't have a bunch of other employees. That's what I'm talking about. Got it. And you and I are doing a webinar coming up this month. We just got the commercials up and going. Feels good to say that out loud. Anything that we should know about the webinar and signing up sooner rather than later? Yeah. I mean, it, uh, retirement got tougher. The interest rates are even lower than when we've been doing this in the past. So looking at your fixed income portion, what you're doing for bonds and bond alternatives, um, the, the type of stocks that you're going to want to own, not individual stocks, but the type of asset allocation you're going to want to own going into the future and recalculating how much you truly need to retire these days in light of what we just went through and what we're going to go through in the future. That's, that's all that we're going to talk about all of that. Thanks very much. People could find you at newfocusfinancial.com and find me there as well. But even more importantly, they can also get a copy of a lot of the downloads and some of the information that Chad was just talking about specifically designed and geared towards independent contractors and people who are going through. This is a lot different than what I signed up for. I know you went to college. I know you thought you were going to get a job. The next thing you do, you're doing your own taxes. You're talking to your CPA. You're like, I'm not so good at some of this. You can find out more information at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com.